everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we are continuing our look at Joseph's life as we read Genesis 41 and 42. So if you haven't yet read these chapters, I'd I'd really encourage you, pause the podcast and go listen. If you're driving, the Join the Journey app will read the passage out loud to you. And additionally, I wanted to let y'all know that the Join the Journey journals are still available on Amazon. So if you're tracking along with the podcast, these can be a great companion resource to keep all of your notes in one place. And they even include some additional resources and commentary, as well as a space for you to record your notes on Sunday morning. Whether you're plugged in at Watermark or at another local church, there's a space for you. And we'll link those in the description uh, for this episode. Now, Today's passage raises the simple yet challenging and very real question, where is God when life gets hard? But it also raises another question. What does it look like to combat pride or the I told you so, tell me I was right kind of moments in our lives? For me personally, I love to be right. But way too often do I think I'm right about everything. And what I mean by that is, Far too frequently, whether it's a conversation at work, in my community group, or at home, I tend to almost unconsciously assume that my thoughts are always right, best, and even perfect. Now, in the moment, I would never say that or acknowledge that. And in my my head, I know that that's wrong. But in reality, my heart, it can far too easily operate from a place that says my way, my thoughts, my approach is best. Anytime I think Emma knows better, I'm headed toward danger because I want everybody else to know that my way is best. I'm headed toward danger if I'm not already there. Today's Devo, it was written by Christiana Fubara, and it is excellent. She wrote, back in Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11, God gave Joseph a dream about his brothers bowing down to him. And when Joseph's brothers heard Joseph tell them about the dream, they responded with hardened hearts. Joseph's brothers then plotted against him and sold him into slavery in Egypt. We've read that story. We've been tracking with Joseph. And while Joseph was in slavery, Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph and he was sent to prison. During his time in prison, Joseph interpreted the cupbearer's dreams only to be forgotten by him for two more years. Sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten, God used each of these difficult circumstances to bring Joseph to the point of Genesis 42, 6, where his, where his brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground, fulfilling the dream God had given him many years before. And Christiana continues, Mankind is naturally prideful and arrogant. Most people would respond to this situation in a prideful manner. My dreams came true and you are now bowing down to me. But Joseph's response to his brothers, he weeps. Yes, he initially accuses them of being spies, but this was part of God's plan to lead his brothers toward true repentance. You can see Joseph's heart for them and his abundant generosity toward them, filling their bags with grain, secretly returning their money to their sacks, and giving them provisions for their journey. Joseph knew he had no right to be prideful. He couldn't take credit for the position he was in. Joseph was faithful with the tasks God gave him, but every step of the way, it was God directing his steps and putting him exactly where he needed to be. I'm going to say that again. That's so good. He couldn't take credit for being in the position he was in. 
Joseph was faithful with the tasks God gave him, Christiana writes. But every step of the way, it was God directing his steps and putting him exactly, exactly where he needed to be. And all these things happened to Joseph so that God could protect his people, the Israelites, from famine, which ultimately preserved the bloodline leading up to Christ. And there have been many times, Christiana writes, when I couldn't see that God was the one writing my story. I didn't want to trust him when things were hard, or I was tempted to take credit for his works when things were good. This story reminds me I can trust God in any and every situation and that all glory belongs to him, she concludes. And then she gives us four questions to use as we respond to today's passage. And I think they're they're super practical for us to both um, reflect on our pasts and how we've seen God at work and move forward and apply uh, the truths from today's story to our lives. So the first question, what are some challenging parts of your story that you have seen God use for good? Second question, what about challenging circumstances when you haven't yet seen God use them for good? Some of you might be living in those now. How does this story encourage you to trust God with those difficult circumstances? Question three, what are some things you have accepted recognition for that you should have given God the glory for instead? That's so good. When have you accepted recognition that really wasn't yours to receive at all? It was God's. How can you plan to give God the glory in future situations when you're tempted to take credit? And number four, how can you plan to give God the glory in future situations when you're tempted to take the credit? For me, this is so real. When I'm uh, speaking at, a, at an event to a bunch of younger college girls or posting equipping content on Instagram, there will be times when really well-meaning ladies, sometimes even adults who are older than me, will comment things like, uh, hyping up Emma. They're, they're encouraging, they're well-meaning. Emma, this is great, or this is, this is such a well-written post. I loved your message. And something I've had to come to realize is that that's both a shepherding opportunity for the person giving me that encouragement and a dangerous uh, opportunity for me to either be encouraged but yet reminded of truth or allow pride to grow in my heart. And so I've just started trying to train myself when I, whenever I get encouragement that makes much of Emma, I'm, I'm trying to train myself to respond by saying something to the effect of, thank you so much. I'm so glad it was a blessing. It's God in and through me. Or I, I love getting to do what God made me to do. And that's not because their encouragement is necessarily bad, but I'm loving that well-meaning person well by reminding them that it's, it's not Emma. Like Emma is a broken sinner just like everybody else, but I'm also, by responding that way, reminding my heart of that truth. It's not Emma. It's not Emma's English degree on display as, as she writes. It's God working in and through me to serve and bless others. The church and in your own context, what does that look like? Maybe, like honestly, you're probably not on Instagram writing equipping posts, but but I bet you have a job where you've been trained to work with excellence. Somebody says you're doing a good job. How can you glorify God in your response? Think about it. it it's it is challenging, but I am confident by remind by responding in that way and reminding myself of the truth that it's God at work in and through us. My affections for the Lord have been stirred and my desire 
to combat pride has only increased. Christiana's fourth question uh, is, is another great point of application from, from the story of Joseph. She says, how do you respond when someone hurts you? Do you repay evil for evil? And she gives us a verse there. I'll come back to it in a second. Do you repay evil for evil? Or do you overcome evil with good by trusting God and being generous toward others? How does trusting in God's sovereignty allow you to be generous to those who have harmed you? And the verse that she references is Romans 12, verses 17 through 21, which, which read, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I'm reading from the NLT. Dear friends, verse 19, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say of the Lord, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Maybe you're in a circumstance where you're not getting praised for your work or other people you work with are jealous. They don't like seeing your success. It feels like you're swimming upstream. This is a great application for you. How do you respond when people aren't cheering you on? You might be working so hard and diligently and faithfully unto the Lord, but at every turn it feels like you're met with opposition. This is a big challenge. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Christiana gave us a lot to think about. Really, today's reading gives us a lot to think about. And so I'm praying for all of us, all of us who've read Genesis 41 and 42, that we wouldn't be motivated by or respond to others from a place that desires to be right or to win or to be praised. Rather, I'm praying that we would be surrendered to God, trusting him when life goes awry, when it's hard, and glorifying him when we feel like we're winning. That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.